So today we're going to go another step in the third part of the series, Rock of Ages. And I want to say some things today that it's all foundational. And I'm also speaking with my son, which is the pastor of Full Turn Ministries. Me and him talked yesterday. We were talking about these messages because we want unity in the body of Christ. And that's what we're desperately seeking is unity and oneness. Something that Jesus wanted, we want. How many people know if Jesus wants it, we should want it? But this morning early when I got up, I started thinking, what will we do? What will I do with the rock of ages? Well, who's the rock of ages? Jesus Christ is the rock of ages. But what will we do with him? What will we do with, what's more important than that, or as important, what will we do with what he says? You see, you can believe that Jesus existed. You can believe that Jesus was a real man or figure in history. But unless you're willing to realize he's Savior, he's Lord, he's the Christ, and you start following his words, he will remain to you just a figure in history. That got quiet. He will remain in a place where you put him. Now, he's always reaching out to you. He is always watching over you. But understand, he is a gentleman. He will stay in the place that you put him. So what will we do with him? What will we do with his words? Let's turn to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Verse 24 through 27 in the ESV. Everyone then, everyone indicates all of us, right? Everyone then who hears these words of mine, Jesus speaking, and does them will be a wise man or a wise woman. Do what I say, you're wise. Who built his house on the rock. And the frame fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Say that. On the rock. And everyone, here we are again, and everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus, and does not do them, you hear it, but don't do it, as people like sitting in the pew hear the message and don't do it, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Here we see Jesus speaking about two houses with two different foundations. Now, I was thinking this morning, it also speaks of two different mindsets. It speaks of mindsets and choices made. Say mindsets. And choices made. Your life will be dictated with mindsets and choices made. I said to someone, they went into the hospital and had a test. And they were all, everything was fine. Everything was wonderful until they heard the results of a test. And then they started immediately going into a, a death role. Why? Because their mind started saying it's over. But let me just say to you, as long as you're with Jesus Christ, it's never over until it's over. Amen? So two different mindsets. It's made up of mindsets and choices. So when you're building 
What's the first thing you do when you're building a building? You have to have the foundation. That's why I'm speaking the way I am today. Because many of us in church, we've been here for years, but we've never been grounded on a, on a, on a good foundation. We've not been taught. But the foundation has to be laid first. And the foundation is what holds up the entire structure. And what dictates the height of the structure? The foundation. If you look at some of the skyscrapers downtown, you go and look when they're digging it, it will be half the size of the building going straight down. Because it takes that foundation to hold up the superstructure. It's no different with the body of Christ. We need the foundation so the superstructure can be strong. We don't need to just blow up one night and then be gone. There's a ministry in Chattanooga that was the fastest growing ministry in Tennessee. I'll say that. Maybe in this part of the nation. And overnight, because of choices made, it was gone. I met him. I met the pastor in Florida. We had a meeting, and he, I met him. Great fella. But greatness isn't just because you meet somebody and you like them. Greatness comes because of your mindset and your choices made. And I don't know about y'all. Let me just be honest. I've made some poor choices in my life. So the whole structure is held up by that foundation. And you don't think it's important. But I can promise you, we built a house back in 2016, and it was built on sandy soil. I call it sugar soil. I don't know if any of you Southerners know what I'm talking about when I say sugar soil, but it's just, you can throw it up there and it's just fluffy. And now the foundation is breaking. The house is, all kinds of bad things are happening. Understand it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. doesn't matter what it looks like on the inside. When the foundation goes, it's gone, baby. It's gone. It has to be right or the house will not stand. Both builders in this story, in this parable, in our reading today, both builders, everybody say both. That's important to remember. But only one of those builders, only one puts the word into practice. Only one. Now, let me make it clear. I think I read that right. They both heard the word. But only one put it into practice. That's why I said today, what will we do with what he said? So, a bishop, we're just listening to you. It's not Jesus. Oh. I beg to differ with you. Anybody stands behind this and is anointed and called is speaking for Jesus. That's just fact. So, it's the one that puts it into practice. It's not just being instructed. It's putting it into practice. That's what will make the difference in my life and your life is what we put into practice. Both builders, both builders experience the same storm. It wasn't a different storm. It wasn't a greater storm. It was the same storm. And when the same storm came, there was, but there was different outcomes. I'm just wondering what your story will be like, what my story will be like. What will be the story for this church? What will be the outcome? 
The outcome will come because of mindset and choices made. Mindset and choices made. I believe, let me just say this. I believe you're a part of something much bigger than you could ever imagine. I believe the Lord has taken us through a process of, of pruning. And he has pruned us and changed things in the life of our church. But I'm going to tell you, it's not been detrimental. It's been beneficial because when the growth comes on it next time, it'll be even stronger than ever before. It will be stronger. So both builders experience the same thing. When we talk about hearing the word, the hearing of the word has to come from Jesus Christ. And then we have to put into practice what Jesus is saying. What makes us wise. How many people want to be wise? Not a wise guy, but how many wants to be wise? What makes us wise is what position we are on the rock. Jesus. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4. I added these things this morning early. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 in the ESV. By wisdom, how do you get wisdom? What happens when you get wisdom? By wisdom, a house is built. A house cannot be built without wisdom. I need wisdom. A marriage needs wisdom. Many times we need wisdom not to say the things that we're thinking. I, 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 you've heard me say this before, but I've heard people, I heard a woman say to me one time, Bishop, I just can't help myself. I can't control my mouth. Well, you need to control your mouth. Proverbs 24, 3. By wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, I added this part this morning, verse 4. By knowledge, the rooms are filled. You want to fill the rooms up with something good, you better get the knowledge. I want the knowledge. I don't want to think I know. I want to know that I know. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. How many people want that? But, but brother, that's what wisdom does. This house, what, this house. Everybody say this house. <clears throat> I want to give you a little story. This house, East West Church, was built on wisdom and by understanding. And it has been established. That's why when the storms of life came and we've had them, it stood the test of time. Just a little history. My daddy's daddy, Pop, he was truly a prophet of God. He walked with God. Pop was a, if he said something happened, it happened. So I'm going to give you background on how wisdom works. And he raised my father, which my father ran from God for years until God audibly called him when he was in the ocean swimming in California. You saw a video of me standing right where he was called. My daddy was the leader of a motorcycle gang. God called him and he brought him back in, but it was because of my pop and his covering. My dad now walks under that anointing. Then my dad passed it on to me. And so now pop, dad, and me, which we were all together when we anointed my son, Alan, which was here preaching every Sunday morning. Alan Jr. Do you see the wisdom there and how the legacy works and how the house is established? 
You have to know it's not a fly-by-night ministry. It's backed up by 100, 100 200 years of, of, of people and lives. Wisdom, everybody say wisdom. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. You apply the knowledge, you get the wisdom. No knowledge, no wisdom, brother Christian. Foolishness is the dismissal of the truth. I refuse the truth. I'm not the smartest or the sharpest tool in the shed, but at least I'm in the shed. There are some people that aren't even in the shed. Follow me? So foolishness, we dismiss the truth. So I'm going to ask this question to you seated here today. What kind of house are you going to build? And what are you going to build it on for yourself and your family and for the corporate body, the church? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to build it? Are we going to build it on following the Word of God? Because that's the only way, Floyd, we're going to put it on firm foundation. I don't care if it's me or you or anybody else, any great Bible teacher. If they don't build it on Jesus, it's not on the rock. I'll get into that in a minute. Y'all aren't tired yet, are you? We have to follow the Word of God to be on a firm foundation. And, but this is something, another thing I added this morning. For those of you that feel like oftentimes you stumble. Is there anybody in here but me that feels like sometimes you stumble? Sometimes you walk in error. Let's just call it what it is. Sometimes you sin. See, we like try to make it sound nice like, I made a little mistake. No, you made a you sin. <laughs> but when we stumble, stumbling will come on our way, along our way, because we're human beings. You're not going to get outside of that because you're human. <clears throat> but it is the foundation that I'm on when I stumble that will keep me steady. What keeps me steady is the foundation that's been laid. My daddy, <laughs> my grandfather, both my grandfathers. One was a state overseer, one of the largest works, one of the largest organizations in the world. He was the general overseer at one time, an assistant general overseer. My other pop, he was a recluse. He was a true prophet of God. He'd go out into the mountains and pray. But God showed up. I can't tell you the things he's done. How God showed up for him in Sweden where a man died. He was, they called him to see him. And Pop said, he goes to see him and he said, there's no reason to come see him now. He's already dead. They already had the sheep pulled over his face. Pop went in there and said, he is not dead. He goes in there and speaks to that man. He said, he didn't even pray a long prayer. He just said, you're not dead. You will live. He coughed a couple times, the sheet came down, and he said, here's what it pops in. He said, I want some super. Because when people come back from the dead, believe it or not, they're hungry. He said, I don't believe that story. Man, believe it or not, there's books written about it. Just fact. Just fact. But that's what foundation I'm built on, so I'm going to be steady. When the storms of life come, when the devil says, you ain't going to make it, I say, wait a minute, devil. 
when I look at this ministry and where we were and how, how far we've come and then how the different tides have rolled in and out of here. And I said, God, what's up? God says, I don't know. What do you think's up? What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. I think God is having his perfect way, doing exactly what he wants to do. He wants to see what I will do, and he wants to see what you will do. And some of you have stepped up to the plate. And I know that. So when we're stumbling, and it's going to happen, and if you think you're not, you're going to, and by you thinking that you're not, and others will, you're judging, and that makes you wrong. So don't judge your neighbor because we once were all, hear this, don't judge your neighbor because we once were all part of the house that was built on sand. Until we started listening to the Lord Jesus Christ. We were built on sand. So Jesus was saying in this parable, there's two houses. One house represents, when he spoke it, he's speaking of apostate Israel. Israel that would not hear. How many people know Israel was hard-headed? They would not hear. The other house is the true house built on Jesus Christ and his truth. There's a point that I want to bring out. That I added again to this text. In Luke, the 23rd chapter. And this is important. Speaking about the two houses. Speaking about the two mindsets. The choices. Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals. Here, 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 the Calvary scene. Jesus and the two thieves. The malefactors, the Bible calls them. Not only were they malefactors. We don't know. They probably killed people. In their robberies. Because now they're being crucified just like Jesus. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him. He's railing out at Jesus hanging there. Now they're both, all of them are hanging the same way. And he rails out at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one hanging on the other side, rebuked him saying, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, we deserve this, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, this is an important statement, and I can preach a whole sermon on this one verse. And he said, Jesus, remember me. And one day I will minister that, remember me. Jesus, remember me. Now watch this next statement. When you come into your kingdom. Church, we are in the kingdom now. And Jesus says, truly I say unto you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Are you catching what happened? There are two churches represented here, two groups of people represented here, two different mindsets and choices represented here. One is like some churches, they're always questioning Jesus and questioning Jesus and questioning Jesus and questioning this and questioning that. And the other just takes him as the Christ and accepts him. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Are y'all seeing how important that is? And Jesus says, and, he, and he, just think about this 
thief that had no concept. He said, when you come into your kingdom. The day Jesus died and that blood was shed and he went into the tomb, the kingdom was in the midst of people. And you're a part of it. Say, I'm a part of the kingdom. And we're all members of that same house. Built on the same rock. Because we believe in the same Jesus Christ. But Jesus has given us a choice. Now understand that both those houses, no matter how ornate they were when they were built, one on sand, one on stone, no matter how ornate they were, how beautiful they were on the outside, no matter what the paintings were, one of them fell. Didn't matter what was on the inside. What mattered was the foundation. So what kind of house will we be? What kind of church will we be? What kind of people will we be? And last, what kind of person will we be? Are we willing? See, the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, if you're willing and obedient, how many people know there's people that are willing but not obedient? This is Bible. But if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. How many people want to eat the good of the land? Well, it takes willingness and obedience. That's just what it takes. Willingness and obedience. Understand, both builders built. So they both heard and they both were willing because they all built. But only one was obedient and recognized the word. Now that's an important point there. Only one was obedient and recognized the word. I wonder how many of us recognize the word. You were healed because you recognized the word. I remember distinctly this last time saying, I said, Tony, look me in the eyes. Because some people, they wonder when you pray for them. They're like, well, I'm going to walk up here and get prayed for. And well, whatever happens, happens. No, when I'm prayed for. I know that I know that there's a, there's a communication with the living God. So it's those person that's obedient and recognizes the word. But remember this, we all once were on the sand, say we used to live on the sand. And it's the truth that got us on the rock. Ephesians 2.11 says it this way. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, you were Gentiles in the flesh. It's talking to people that weren't Jewish. He called the, uh, and they were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at time at a time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants and the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, everybody say now. But now in Christ Jesus, who you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. There is no more dividing wall. By watch this. What was the hostility? By abolishing the law of the commandments. The commandments were filled in the, in the old covenant. 
There were so many of them, it filled up chapters of things you had to do. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then we are no longer strangers and aliens. You're not a stranger. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built. What are we built on? The foundation. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple. We are it unto the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's what's happening. We are being built to be a dwelling place. So God can live in us, dwell in us, move in us, act in us. The cornerstone is Jesus. He is the thing that holds up the whole structure. And anybody that tries to build a ministry without Jesus, they're just blowing smoke in the wind. Jesus is the cornerstone. When I pray for you today, it's because of Jesus, the cornerstone, that gives you the answer. It's all Jesus. Our foundation has to be the truth of Jesus Christ that was once given to the apostles and the prophets and has been passed down to us. It's legacy. Our lives are being built together upon that foundation. We must change the way we see church. Some of us. One woman wrote this. My son now is taking classes. He's trying to get his master's in theology. This little lady wrote, Beth Felker Jones wrote this. A church that lives in the hearts. A church that just lives in the heart. And I can explain that in a minute. A church that just lives in the hearts is far less threatening than a visible embodied church. Did anybody catch that, or is that over your head? Simple. A church that lives in the heart is far less threatening than, than a visible embodied church. It is also a much less effective witness. I love the Lord, and I just walk with Him. And I don't have to go to church because I'm just walking with Jesus. You have no witness. You have no testimony. You're not joined to anything. We're totally out of order. We have to be joined to one another. Whether you like it or not, I'm your brother. You say, well, I don't even like you. Well, I'm your brother. Like it or not, bum, 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 here I come. You understand, no matter what, you're brothers and we're sisters, and that's just fact because of the blood of Jesus Christ. So it is also a much less effective witness if you're just in the heart. I'm just in my heart. And there's no visible demonstration. God uses the communal nature of the church for a witness among people whom he made to be in relationships. We cannot even in the midst of brokenness give up on the visible church. We can't give up on it. And since COVID, people have given up on the visible church. Am I right or wrong? They've given up on the visible church. And God's saying, wait a minute. As times get harder, we need to pull together, not apart. 
There's four little foundational truths I'm going to go through, try to go through very quickly for the church. Foundational uh, truths of the church. And it was adopted in 325. The year 325. In the Nicene Creed, you may have heard of it. These were theologians and bishops that came together and they had to, they had to confront the, the error of the day, Butch. They were talking about Jesus saying he was just a good man. He was possibly a prophet, but he was not deity. And they were teaching that. So these bishops all came together and said, we got to set it straight. we got to tell people what the church is all about. Are you with me now? So the Nicene Creed was written. And let me give you some points of it. Number one, he says, we are one people in Christ. We are to be people who work together in unity and harmony. The unity of the church is the work of the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Active among broken sinners. Watch what I just said. Active amongst broken sinners. Transforming us into a beautiful witness. I'd say they were right on target. The beauty of Christ is seen, actually, Randy, in our unity. That's why I said me and my son what we're doing. It's called unity, and nobody does it. They talk about it, but nobody does it. Point two, we are holy, which means we are set apart for a purpose. We are holy because we belong to who? Jesus Christ and are a part of his household. Not because we do things perfectly all the time. We are called to love the church, to be the church, even in the midst of difficulty. Called to be the church, even in times of difficulty. Because God has chosen to work in the world through the broken and holy reality of the church. Whether you believe it or not. So the word holy means other. It also means other. Everybody say other. other. We are not to be like the world. That's all it means. We've got to be not like the world. We have to be something other. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. This is scriptures. Holy nation, a peculiar people. And here's one. Uh, the Nicene Creed stated this clearly. My son mentioned it back Five weeks ago. But the Nicene Creed said in their meaning, they mentioned the word Catholic. It does not mean a denomination when the Nicene Creed was written. It did not mean a denomination. Well, I'm Catholic. It's not what it meant. Catholic was meaning universal, not the denomination. It's the, when you say Catholic, it's the universal church, which we all should be the universal church. We are universal, we are global. We're a church made up of many nations and many cultures. The church is made up of many saints which are in heaven and in earth. Matter of fact, we're a diverse people. How many people know we're different? I'm different than you, you're different than me, but that, I'm going to say this. There is strength in our diversity. Our uniqueness, our uniqueness works together to show forth something powerful and beautiful. Our uniqueness. So in God's kingdom, diversity, our uniqueness fits together with unity. So the church is a global reality. It's not just East West Church here on 
Hurt Road. It's a global reality. It's the way we do life together. We do life together. Point four in the creed, apostolic. We're an apostolic church. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. If it's built on any other foundation, it will not stand. The teachings of Christ are paramount. The apostles bore witness to that, what they saw and what they heard, and they spoke it. And Jesus said this, whoever puts these words of mine into practice will be like the wise man who built his house upon the rock. 